0: Hello there, I'm Susan Bradley, and welcome to the Four Modern Mothers podcast, a podcast dedicated to mothers and mothers-to-be, here to help you navigate your own unique journey through modern motherhood. In each episode, there'll be insights and wisdom. We'll be covering everything from fertility and trying to conceive, to pregnancy and birth, and onwards through your life as a mother. Expect conversations around subjects and issues that will support, inspire, inform, and empower you. From health and well-being to body image, self-care, mental health, birth, pregnancy, work-life balance, relationships, the whole lot. With my specially invited guests and experts, as well as sharing my own knowledge with you. Enjoy and don't forget to subscribe too. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Four Modern Mothers podcast. And in this episode today, I wanted to talk about the idea of being, as a mother, as a human, perfectly imperfect. And this is something that has come up this week. Um, Last week, actually, I was finishing um, my new um, online postnatal early motherhood course the truth about early motherhood and this idea of perfectionism and being good enough and the challenges of motherhood and striving to be the best mother you can be for your baby for your child and also this came up and often does with one of my coaching clients too and it is so common um, for mothers to have this idea that they need to do more, they need to do better, that they need to be perfect. And it isn't just mothers, it's as humans. It can often be from our childhoods that we strive to be perfect perfect at something, perfect at playing an instrument, perfect in the way we look, perfect in the way we do things, in a sport, in our, you know, maths, in our writing, in whatever it is, this idea of perfectionism. And that kind of sets us up to fail. So that isn't helpful. And it is really common through going through the challenges of having a baby, having a child, having more than one, um, that we want to do the best for our children. Of course we do. but this then causes us so much anguish and worry and anxiety because we're trying to achieve some kind of mythical perfectionism. If we could just do a little bit more, if we could just do this a little bit better, then that would be caring for our child better. Um, And that ongoing worry um, wears us down. It's really, you know, understandably really kind of stressful that we're always striving and challenging. And that idea of always striving and challenging and trying to get somewhere is just somewhere that does not help us as as humans, it just causes stress. And that stress causes, um, you know, nervous system responses, it it wears us down, it can cause problems with our immune systems and all sorts of things. So having this idea of not striving for this perfection, I think is, is really important to know that other people struggle with it too, also valuable. And then also to learn and think about some ways of of coping with this, of dealing with it, of recognising it and doing something about it so that you're not having that striving for perfectionism all the time. So this is what today's podcast is all about. So that I want you to know better about this idea of perfectionism and also this concept of the good enough mother, which is like a psychological principle. um, So you can understand that better. Knowing you're not alone, I'll share some thoughts and ideas that I have about it. And also um, a couple of techniques that can help to support you if you're also struggling with this, maybe right now, maybe in the future, maybe you know somebody who struggles with this and that that might help them. So I hope this is helpful. Um, and I know from, like I've said, coaching client this week and, and often when my coaching clients, but also from chats and conversations we have in my classes with with new mums, baby massage, and mum and baby yoga, people talk about you know wanting to do the best for their child, for their baby, um, but how that is really difficult. So, first of all, knowing that nobody is perfect, um, I just don't believe there is such a thing. And I have two t-shirts that I need to dig out. Actually, I've not worn them for a while in classes, but two t-shirts that I have from Selfish Mother. Um, And one of them has um, the words emblazoned on it, winging it, um, which is so apt because I think as mothers, we are all to some extent, possibly to a great extent, personally, at least, winging it. Um, And the second one is we are all wonder women. So all of us are amazing. All mothers are amazing. And we're just doing our best. And that is all we can do. Um, and just reminding people that by wearing my t-shirts is something that I that I like to do because sometimes we get so caught up in our own head and our own thoughts and this perfectionism that we lose kind of sight of things so first of all I want to talk about this idea of this the good enough mother and this is a really powerful idea and comes from psychology of motherhood and it comes from the 1950s actually this phrase was coined the good enough mother a psychologist called Donald Winnicott coined this phrase in his writing and in his research of the good enough mother and he saw that aiming to be this perfect mother was not only actually unnecessary but it was actually harmful that you don't need to be the best mother it's not a competition and in order to raise your child well you simply need to be good enough and that can be hard because some women feel that good enough is not acceptable because it sounds like you're settling for something that it could be better and they're working hard at the job of motherhood and they've made sacrifices because we all do so shouldn't the results be better than just good enough but Winnicott's idea is less about aiming for a low bar and more about accepting the fact that you can only do your best. You can only do your best, and you can only do your best given the situation you're in and the time and resources that you have in that exact moment. And that is all you can do. And I really, really strongly believe that. So one of the markers of psychological well-being is being able to accept that no one is perfect. And even if your child is perfect, your baby is perfect in your eyes, he or she may grow up to struggle themselves at school or, you know, struggle with a test or an exam or not be good enough at, I don't know, as a ballet dancer or a certain instrument that they wanted to play in the Philharmonic Orchestra, but they they didn't quite get there. Who knows? Who knows where that will take us? Maybe... um, your child is a bad sleeper <laughs> we've all we've all been there or a picky eater um, and 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 not so perfect after all because we are humans we are not robots and once you can accept that there is no such thing as a perfect mother that nobody is a perfect mother the sooner that you can prepare yourself to that your baby's not going to be perfect either so rather than this goal having this goal of being this flawless, this perfect mother for your child, aiming instead for compassion and authenticity. When you're with your baby, your child, your family, and this idea of being an imperfect parent and a good enough parent, because an imperfect parent is a good enough parent, that is the person your baby's going to love and feel safe with and cherish and then you are modeling that behavior to your child, that that is okay. So this idea that children, we know that children, babies even, you know, they see, they pick up, our voices, our tone of voice, our movements... Our facial expressions, the things that we mutter under our breath because they have super hearing, they hear everything, especially the swear words that you don't think they can. They pick up on all this, and that forms their belief system of what is acceptable behavior into the world and how we should be. So if they are constantly seeing their mother, their parents, chastising themselves, being upset, judging themselves, that they're failing, that they're not good enough, negative self talk, being crosses when things don't go perfectly that's what they feel and think is acceptable and it's not just what you say to a child and what you tell them but it's much more important what you model to them they pick up on the modeled behavior so by showing your flaws by showing that you're not infallible that it's okay to get things wrong to mess it up sometimes to make mistakes And then when you do make a mistake, you just have to pick up the pieces. You have to apologize if you get it wrong. um, You just have another go. You try it a different way. All of these things. That is such strong messaging to a child. That is such strong messaging that it's okay to try and fail. It's okay to do things wrong and make mistakes. Um, That the intention was there to do it well and do it right. But sometimes things don't go to plan. And that's what happens in life. And that modeled behavior is really important so by you accepting it yourself and learning to let go of the perfectionism and being the good enough mother and being honest when you get it wrong that is setting up your child for a really positive future to know that they can try things and fail and they can experiment with things and so many of our best you know Scientific discoveries, engineering, design comes when people get it wrong. When things don't go to plan, when the experiment fails, that's when there is a breakthrough. That's when often there is a eureka moment. So those, that failure um, that small children and toddlers do anyway, they try and walk, they fall over, but they keep going. That is what we need to do more of, not just trying to wait until we can do it perfectly. So modelling the imperfection to your child and getting it wrong is a really positive thing to do. There is goodness in, in that. There is very much goodness in you not being perfect as a parent. That will set your child up brilliantly. And so by modelling this, by being an imperfect mother, by being a perfectly a good enough mother, then you're helping your child gain the skills to be tolerant and resilient and to deal with self, um, frustration and to become self-sufficient and to learn to, that this is all okay and this is what we're supposed to do as humans. And I think that is hugely important. And these are really important foundational skills for developing your child, for their resilience, to be compassionate with yourself, to be kind to yourself and all of these things. So to be able to weather the emotional storm and have grit and the ability to persevere and then go on to achieve. Another thing I think it's just important about this idea of the good enough mother that this idea of perfectionism that we are supposed to it might feel like we're supposed to love all aspects of motherhood all of it from caring for small children from um, obviously that love and attention that you need to give children but there's so many sides to to motherhood there's logistics there's the planning there's the cooking there's the preparation there's the There's so much going on that we may be, it's not our forte, it's not the thing that we're really um, great at or really enjoy and there's so many aspects that how could there be? So it's okay to not actually um, enjoy it all, it's okay to say I can't can't stand that, Um, um, I really don't like that and that doesn't make you a bad mother because you don't enjoy all of it, perhaps there's some people who do but I'm not quite sure I've ever met one. Um, the thing that I loathe, um, I put this on my Instagram feed this week. Um, I hate the school run. Um, I absolutely loathe it and have from day one. I found it the most frustrating thing. Nine o'clock-ish, hopper past eight, take them to school. Three o'clock, pick them up again. Six hours, not long enough. In my world, they need at least eight hours. An eight-hour day of me for working. Six hours, I've barely had lunch. I'm going back to school. I find it really frustrating being cut off in the middle of full flow. Um... To go and pick them up from school, and then the challenges of what to do with them after school, and all that attention, and it's just exhausting. But I just the the going and coming back, and the hanging around in the playground, and have you got your coats on, and brushing the hair, and all of that, I absolutely despise it, and I cannot wait another two years till they go to secondary school. Three years, I'm, I'm wishing the time away. I know, and they'll go to school on their own, and I won't have to do that, and I cannot be happier for that moment. And I'm thrilled that I have twins and that they will both go to secondary school and I've not got any left behind. How people do this with two or three or four children of different ages is beyond me. It's probably the thing that's kept me from having any more children. I'm joking slightly is that I couldn't bear to do the school run for any longer than I have to. And that's me. And that might sound some people ridiculous. And some people love the school run gets them out in the morning. I do love that bit hanging around the playground, chatting to other mums, just but for me, it's just not my thing. Um, so, you know, there's all, we all have parts that we find difficult and hard and just tedious and do not enjoy. And it's, you have permission to not like those things. That's absolutely okay. That does not make you a bad mother. Um, that's just part of life. And I think that's just really important to know that also you shouldn't have guilt about those things. Um that being good enough and not perfect shouldn't be guilty and putting right your mistakes and repairing them is really important. So all of this from a psychological point of view has many benefits. There is a really good book, um, the name of which escapes me, but it's by Philippa Perry, who is a um, psychoanalyst. And it's got a bright orange cover. And it's something the book the book that you wish your parents had read, or the book you should read as a parent, and the one you wish your parents should have read. And it talks about how your upbringing and childhood influences you as a parent, and how to recognize that, and, and how to maybe improve things, or change things, or, or do things differently, perhaps. And just to recognize what you bring to it that's been kind of drawn in from, from culture. And also a lot of it from our own parenting. And it's a fascinating read. I will put that when I've worked out the correct title in the show notes because it is definitely worth a read. And I've recommended to other people who also have found benefit from it. And that's a good book. So if you're sitting here thinking, okay, yeah, I get it. Perfection, no need. Um, Good enough mother. It's a thing. Scientific research on it. Okay. But what about if um, you are a perfectionist? What about if you spent your whole life striving to do that and it's obviously really hard then to change that mindset to let go of that particularly when you're hoping and wanting and trying your best to do your best for your child um, and striving to do that and it's really hard to let go of so some techniques that that might be helpful the first one um is is to kind of just reflect on on that, reflect on yourself as a mother, reflect on that idea of perfectionism, reflecting on that idea of being perfectly imperfect, reflecting on that idea of the good enough mother. And how does that feel to you? Can you recognize, can you look back, can you see times, could be today, could have literally just happened, could be at some point, Um, or maybe in the future you can imagine that that is something that you want to be perfect that 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 you might struggle with or you have struggled with and you can recognize that and maybe you can recognize where that came from maybe you can recognize that it came from influence of when you were a child you remember your parents doing that or you remember or that you have um, friends or family members that have children and 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 maybe there's a recognition that that's what they do with their children and you're somehow trying to do the same and keep up with them. Maybe it's somebody you follow on social media. Again, I have a lot to say about that. But following accounts on social media that portray, uh, there's some great ones that portray the realities do not get me wrong but ones that portray this idea of perfectionism and and everything looks glossy and wonderful and these beautifully turned out children and everything's great and they have an amazing career and a family and a beautiful husband and this and the house and and it's just not reality so sometimes that does not help careful about who you're following on social media so thinking and reflecting on that perhaps as well so You might just recognize that just by having a few minutes just to consider that and think about that. You might also do some journaling. And I think journaling can be a really helpful thing to get things out of your head and onto paper. So some journaling prompts, and I will put these down in the show notes um, if that's helpful. So thinking about what, what would change in your experience of motherhood if you didn't have to be perfect. So that's a really interesting one to reflect on. And where are you being hard on yourself? And what could you let go of? What could you let yourself off the hook for? And then what stops you from doing that? What stops you letting yourself off the hook? Considering that too, journaling about that, sitting maybe for a few minutes on each of those things, just taking the time just to get out of your head what your feelings are about that. That can be a really powerful thing. And then so journaling, the first thing, reflecting and journaling. The second thing is, I think, just considering and looking at the people you surround yourself with. So people that you meet up with, the other mums, the family members, how supportive or not are they? Are they feeding into this idea of perfectionism and striving and always trying to do all the time? Or are they very supportive of the flaws and the failures and the perfectly imperfect and the good enough mother? surrounding ourselves with people who are nourishing us and who are kind to us and who support us is really important so this idea of like finding your tribe I sometimes call it but I don't mean that in a cliquey way but I just mean finding your people finding your tribe your village your wise women collective of people who can uplift you um, your counsel, who can you know support you, who, who listen to you, and you support them. It's this mutual thing, and it's a really, really powerful thing to be surrounded by these women who can lift you up, who have their own challenges and triumphs as well, and that you support each other. And that's why, with Full Modern Mothers, I have this online community and this Facebook group that's really supportive. But in the classes and the courses, we always have time to go round, and everyone has a turn to speak and to share. We'll often have time at the end of mum and baby classes. I'll make everyone a cup of tea, give them a biscuit, give them time to chat. All people go off to the cafe together afterwards or go for a walk and continue that connection. And that is absolutely invaluable. And it's just where you get to be real and find those people and make those connections. Obviously, in pregnancy as well, some people do that. But often it's not till baby arrives that you kind of find your feet. So surrounding yourself with those people in person, if possible, but also, you know, staying connected on WhatsApp and through Facebook and phone calls and all of that thing can be amazing. Otherwise, you can just end up going around in spirals in your head um, and taking in stuff off social media and all of the stuff talking to people as well as doing the journaling and just speaking about what's going on for you and hearing other people's stories of you know how they're also perfectly imperfect and just doing a good enough job is a really important thing so surrounding yourself with these other wise women and you're all wise women that's also really important to know and just knowing that the ordinary is okay and um, having that time and space to chat with them. So that's my second recommendation. Find your tribe, find your wise women and keep keep them close and love them hard. And then another way you can help yourself and do this is really simple. And this might be from some of the things that come up in the journaling or the conversations, but when you get stuck in that kind of thought loop and when you start questioning that you really must do this thing and it's really important, but then you haven't managed to do it, whatever it is, Um, And then you get into uh, this loop and this negativity and everything just seems overwhelming and you're a terrible mother and all of this. Stop and ask yourself, what is the story that you're telling yourself? What is the story? So, for example, I don't know, perhaps it's like, oh, I was going to take my baby to baby swimming lessons, but um I didn't manage to book the lessons or the baby's been ill and has missed loads of lessons because I've had a cold and they can't go swimming when they've got a cold and all of this stuff and this happens a lot and then you feel oh my gosh my baby will never learn to swim I've let them down they're supposed to do it before they're x number of weeks old otherwise blah 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 and you get yourself into a tears and, and all of this and you failed because all the other babies and mums you know have taken their babies to swimming lessons and you haven't what a terrible mother um and if you sit and think about what the stories you're telling yourself is that is that clearly a baby a child can learn to swim at any point just because they haven't gone swimming lessons at whatever age doesn't mean they can't swim doesn't mean you're a terrible mother at all and it's a story it's not the truth so what is the story you're telling yourself and what is the actual truth the truth is swimming lessons were really busy the swimming lessons were really expensive Um, the swimming lessons we couldn't go to them because baby got a cold or this or that happened that is the truth and that's the way it is and that's life we could always do something about it we can go swimming lessons next term we can wait till a little bit older um not all babies go to swimming lessons <laughs> it's not the law so working out the story working out the truth and sometimes when you stop and think and listen to what the story is and just say to yourself what is the story i'm telling myself and then what is the truth out of that it almost becomes laughable because the truth is far from the story. The brain's hooked onto the story and it's looped and looped and looped and magnified it. But the actual truth is very simple and there could well be a very simple solution to take that forward or to just go, "Hmm, letting that go, not actually important after all. Um, Just a silly story. So that's something that I found really helpful in lots of situations. Asking, what is a story that I'm telling myself? And then I also want to speak a little bit about a concept um, that's from Japanese culture. And this is something that I think fits really well with this idea of being perfectly imperfect. Um, And this is the idea um, of something that's called kintsuki. And it's the concept of liquid gold. And this is drawn from Japanese philosophy, um, from a Zen Buddhist approach, and their approach to ceramics, to pottery. And there's this type of pottery in Japan where if a vase or a cup or a vessel, piece of pottery is being broken in some way, that they mend this with a liquid gold called kansuki. And the liquid gold, this resin with this, this gold powder in, means that the piece of pottery is made even more beautiful and stronger from its breaks. So from its fault lines because the fact was that it had been broken or damaged and it is now even more beautiful than it was to start with. So over the centuries in Japan, the Zen masters developed this idea that cups and vases and bowls that have been damaged shouldn't simply be neglected, shouldn't be thrown away, but they should continue to attract our respect and our attention and be repaired with enormous care. And this process symbolizing a reconciliation of the flaws and of the accidents of time and reinforcing often the big underlying themes of of the whole Zen Buddhist philosophy. And this kintsuki, kin means golden, and tsuki means joinery. So it means to join with gold. So that the broken pieces of a pot or a vase or a cup or a vessel are carefully picked up, and then they're reassembled with lots of care, and they're glued and fixed together with this lacquer, which has this luxuriant gold powder in. And so it looks like Liquid gold. And there's no attempt to disguise the damage. We're not trying to do this um, hidden um, repair. The point is to render that the fault lines are beautiful and strong. There's these precious veins of gold that are there to emphasise the breaks. And they have a philosophically rich merit all of their own. So, this idea of Kintsuki, a method that doesn't disguise the damage, it makes something properly artful and beautiful because of that. And it's all part of an overlying Zen idea of something called wabi-sabi or wabi-sabi. I can never pronounce that, which cherishes, again, Japanese cherishes that what is simple and unpretentious and aged, especially something that has a weathered or a rustic quality. And I think this is particularly important in culture and in age where we value above other things, Um, youth, perfection, the new, the flawless, um, the Beauty Myth book um, by Naomi Wolf is a, is a great read um, on all sorts of themes about that. I'll put that in the show notes. That is going off topic slightly. But anyway, dropping it in. Um, but in an age that worships this idea of perfectionism and youthfulness and newness, this ancient art, this Japanese art of kintsuki retains a particular wisdom, I feel. And it's really applicable to our own lives as much as it is to a broken teapot or a vase so this analogy for ourselves that often at times we may feel broken or shattered or wounded in different ways if we're able to find ways to alchemize to work with the the wounding to work with the pain the discomfort to bring our own version of liquid gold then we can become even more beautiful and more um have more strength as well And I think that analogy is a really powerful one. The care and the love expanded from the shattered pots to lend us a confidence to what is to respect and to honor what is scarred or vulnerable and imperfect and bringing that in to ourselves and to those around us. And on that theme of liquid gold and having that sense of shatteredness and 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 using that in a powerful and a positive way. I also wanted to share with you some song lyrics. So this is a little piece of a song by the poet and the songwriter and the performer Leonard Cohen from his song, Anthem. And these are truly beautiful. The birds they sang at the break of dawn, start again, I heard them say, don't dwell on what's passed away or what is yet to be. Are the wars, they will be fought again, the holy dove, she will be caught again, bought and sold and bought again. The dove is never free. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That is how the light gets in. And so I want to end this episode with the final kind of Practice a final kind of technique that I hope is helpful and beneficial. And that's a little guided um, meditation, which is based on this idea of perfectly imperfect, of of liquid gold, of of letting the light in. So if you have the time now to do this meditation, to listen, to sit somewhere comfortably, quietly, then please do that. If you need to come back to it later and pause this and come back when you've got about 10 minutes then that would also be amazing so just taking the time to get comfortable to get settled for this meditation and you might be seated you might be lying down it really doesn't matter sitting in a chair sitting on the floor just be comfortable just be comfortable whatever that means to you right now and this meditation on the theme of, of liquid gold, of welcoming and inviting in the light through the cracks, welcoming the light, liquid gold, is golden light and energy into ourselves. And even though our we might feel darkness, knowing that from that darkness, there is an opening and invitation to move into the light, into a new day into a new moment into a new phase of our life so this meditation is going to be an invitation to bring a gold liquid or a light a substance that is healing that is nourishing that is kind and tender into any place or places that might feel achy that might feel um, tender or uncomfortable places that you might need to heal that maybe just places that simply need some care, some kindness, some love and attention. So just allowing yourself to be comfortable, making any movements and adjustments that you need to do. You might have a blanket wrapped around you or over you, some softness around you. Maybe your eyes can softly close, or just your gaze lowering. And just take a moment just to settle. Just to drop in to feel the support beneath you of the chair or the floor, wherever you are, whatever that is. And just seeing if you can have a little bit more softness and ease in your body. Just melting away any unnecessary holding or gripping. And just letting your breath settle and be easy and soft and fluid. Letting there be a softness through your shoulders, around your chest, through your tummy, just so your breath can flow effortlessly. Breathing in and breathing out. And I'm gonna guide you through uh, this meditation, this visualization, and you can always do it at your own pace, and you can come back to any places If you want to, I'll give you that invitation towards the end. But I'm just going to guide your focus of awareness around your body slowly. And there's nothing that you need to do but just to listen to these words. And I just want you to imagine as you sit or lie here. Imagine, if you can, visualize, picture, see in your mind's eye that onto the top of your head. Maybe you can even feel it, sense it. There is a, a channel of gold. It could be a liquid gold like honey or nectar. It could be a golden light like beautiful warm sunlight just pouring down, warming, calming, soothing, nourishing and nurturing down onto the top of your head. So whichever of those work better for you, just imagine that now. And just start to imagine that light or liquid or nectar, that golden energy coming in, resting and coming onto the top of your head now and pouring inside your skull, around your brain, into your mind. And just letting your awareness of that golden energy shine into your mind with a loving, nourishing, guiding presence, a sense of a a healing and a nourishment a calmness, a kindness and an ease that this golden energy brings to you. And then we're going to invite that golden energy, that liquid or that light, just to softly move down through your body. So seeping in through those cracks, warming, bringing love and kindness as we travel down through your body. So letting that energy, that light, that liquid, that goldenness drip and seep down through your face so thinking of maybe the the skin across the forehead softening any furrows and tension melting away washing around your eyes and softly over your eyelids soft golden light energy warmth flowing over your cheeks through your jaw relaxing your jaw letting your tongue soften inside your mouth And letting that nourishing golden energy move into your throat. Maybe a sense it could release and let go of any words that you need to release and let go of. And then as it lights up, as it warms and brings that golden energy through the neck, letting this loving golden liquid, this light move down through your shoulders, washing away any tension this nourishment, this kindness, this ease, softening your shoulders and moving down through your arms. So letting this golden energy move down through your left and your right arm, across the upper arm, down past the elbow, down through your lower arm, right into your wrists. And then bringing that golden energy, that warmth, that softness, however it feels to you through the palms of your hands over the backs of your hands and down both of your thumbs and all of your fingers right to the very tips maybe you imagine a little pool of this gold this liquid gold or this golden light sitting in the palms of your hands now and then letting your awareness of this golden energy come across your chest letting it move deep into your heart space within you And maybe the heart is a place where we hold tenderness. Maybe we hold some kind of break or fracture. Feeling a sense of this golden energy moving through the places where it can get through the cracks. Letting the light in. Allowing there to be a nourishment. Letting there be a kindness. Just letting it grow and flourish. A warmth within you. And then letting that golden energy move through your chest moving down to your solar plexus down to your tummy and just letting there be a softness and a warmth as that golden energy moves all around almost as if you're shining a light deep within your tummy deep within your abdomen warming through the center of your core from your heart space right down to your pelvis and your pelvic bowl. Maybe as you have a few breaths here, soft and easy, letting your awareness travel down behind your navel, behind your belly button. And this loving golden energy, this warm liquid or light is nourishing and nurturing all around the bowl of your pelvis, bringing in warmth deep into your womb space, having this central golden warmth within you having a sense that every cell, every particle of your body is getting filled and surrounded, imbued with this warmth of this golden energy. Coming all the way down around your pelvis, right to the tip of your tailbone. And as your tailbone, this grounding cord, this energetic presence at the base of your tailbone, right down into the earth, grounding you, keeping you centered and rooted. And you might have that sense of this golden energy that's washed in through the top of your head, from above you, all the way down to the tip of your tailbone now, having this light from the top of your head all the way around your heart, around your tummy, your pelvis, down into the earth, through the tip and root of your tailbone, that you're a vessel for this light and this golden liquid, this golden energy, And just allowing yourself to feel that you're resonating with this warmth and love and nourishment and kindness here. And then letting your awareness of this light, this warmth, come down through your legs, through your thighs. This light travels down your thighs, past your knees, through your lower legs, softly around your ankles, through all the little bones of the foot, across the top of the foot. This warm energy golden light or liquid through the sole of the foot all the way to the tips of all of your toes this golden warmth surrounding you now from the top of your head right to the tips of your toes the whole of your body the whole area of your skin surrounding you deep within you through your core your heart your tummy your pelvis through your bones warmed with this golden nourishment, this liquid gold, this liquid light permeating you, wrapping around all the trillions of cells in your body. And maybe there's a place or places you want to come back to, places within your body that you want to send more of that warmth and love and kindness and energy to. If you're sitting and can move your hands and arms, you might place your hand there, it could be on your heart could be on your tummy, could be on your forehead, could be on a shoulder, doesn't matter. You might just bring your awareness there or you might just stay with the awareness from head to toe through the whole of the body here, bathed in this warm golden light and energy. Maybe you imagine there's like a, a cocoon or a force field, a golden energy surrounding you and inside you are safe and surrounded by that light and that energy. And take as long as you have here just to rest here in bathing in that golden warm light. You can pause this now, stay here longer. Just really drawing it in, savoring this time. When you're ready to finish this meditation, this visualization, then just letting that image of the golden light, the feeling of the golden energy, just letting it go. Come back to just feeling your breath moving in your body. Maybe then starting to move and wriggle and have a little stretch. Maybe have a little sigh. Noticing again, hearing sounds around you. When you're ready, softly letting your eyes come open if they're closed. And just taking in with a curiosity what you can see. And just take a moment just to notice how you're feeling now. Take a pause for yourself. And have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for joining me on today's episode, everyone. Take good care, bye. Thank you for listening. It's great to have you here and I really do appreciate your support too. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have, then please don't forget to subscribe. And if you could leave a review or share with other mothers and mothers-to-be that you know, well, I'd be eternally grateful. You can join me as well on my online platform at www.formodernmothers.com where you'll find show notes and lots more goodness and resources all about thriving and making your own unique path as a mother in the modern world, as well as details of all my programs, online courses, my classes and coaching packages too and do follow me over on Instagram too at four modern mothers or on Facebook and be part of my social community i'd love to connect with you there take care amazing woman